You see, people collect all kinds of things. New, old, priceless, worthless. Darling, it doesn't matter what. I simply must know why. Those mothballs shouldn't get to keep all the secrets. This is the Mothball Prophecies. Hello and welcome to the Mothball Prophecies. I'm Samantha Mashburn. And I'm Jill Huffman. And today we're talking to an absolute vintage, kitschy Canadian dream. She's a guitarist in the Surfer Jets, a lover of all things kitsch and vintage. She caught our eye many moons ago and she actually volunteered as tribute to be yes. on the show. Welcome to the show, Shermie. Hello. Hi there. Hello. I say you volunteered as tribute because you were one of the first people to be like, hi, I don't know how you pick people, but like me. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, like you mysteriously followed me yeah. and like liked a few of my older pictures. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like, you know, the signal that you're interested. She slid into the I DMs. Did. Yeah, Sam texted me the Shamelessly. screenshot of it. She's like, read this. And I was like, can you believe it? Oh, it worked. My tactics we worked. We did it. <laughs> We're really on That's the it. modern day way. <laughs> what is that? What was that show that was on where it was like, uh, it was real shitty. Um, they would like teach them how to be like, put the moves on people. What was it? It was like, it was really shitty and misogynistic, but it's like uh, the podcasting version of like <laughs> what? putting your line out there, you know? No, I have no clue what you're talking about. I don't know. About I've either. never seen that one. I don't know what it's called. It's just some obscure pop culture reference. That's just like it just <laughs> pinged in your head. For it was on MTV or something. Or like oh, VH1. well, it's MTV. I'll look into it so I don't look like a psychopath. <laughs> but anyways, thanks for agreeing to um, come and sit with us in our respective cold houses today. <laughs> My pleasure. Yeah. Because yeah. you, I mean, you you understand the snow like we do, the great white north. Well, yeah. And you told me like the least amount of ambient noise. So I'm like, well, the furnace definitely has to go yeah, off I'm because sorry. I I don't have a basement. So it's actually on the main floor. Oh, gosh. So yeah, it's like over there and it's very loud. There's like two volumes for the television in the living room. It's like normal volume <laughs> and furnace volume. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we okay. have um, a gas fireplace upstairs and then we have our furnace in the basement. And the furnace is on the other side of the wall from where we're at, which is because the home was built in the 50s. There's no insulation between it and the paneling. And then yeah. upstairs, the fan on my fireplace is loud. So wherever Jill and I record is just kind of always cold, cold. Yeah. yeah. No, I feel that. Yeah, I feel that. And we're in the midst of our winters right now, watching our neighbors to the south start to plant things and wear short clothing and. I know. Assholes. Or they're talking about how cold it is. Yeah. And I'm like, mm. <laughs> I, you know, I mean, that's spring weather here, but you know, whatever. I mean, it's all relative. Right. I know. I have. Yeah. I feel that deeply when people are like, oh my God, it's 45 degrees, which no offense to anybody that's cold at 45 degrees. But like the three of us roll in like negatives for yeah. the entire month of January. This is why I usually go to Texas <laughs> during February. To yeah. see my best friend and then i'm in like shorts and t-shirts and everybody's like in parkas mm -hmm. so I oh, like yeah. to shock oh, the yeah. shit out of everybody and they're like aren't you cold i'm like it's negative 30 where i live this is a heat wave <laughs> yeah yeah you just want to go Definitely. to the beach because it's yeah. hot i'm yeah. hot i'm uncomfortable it's or you go somewhere where you have like no idea what the temperature is going to be like or yeah. you you see things and like i went to california for the first time and and March, not this March, not last March, obviously, but uh, a few years ago. And when I 
got there I was like oh yeah it's gonna be so hot we're gonna go to the beach and then we get to the beach and it's actually cold and foggy <laughs> and we spent no time on the beach that entire trip <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like wow this is disappointing thanks yeah Hollywood. <laughs> yeah all of yeah. my expectations I know. I know I don't know what it's like where you live where we live we don't really have humidity at all oh and we so have the worst oh, whenever oh, really? I'm in humidity I'm like what's happening it makes the oh. cold colder and the hot hotter I couldn't do it Oh yeah, no. It's we have like cold, cold winters and hot, humid, hot, hot, humid summers See, that's here. That's not fair. You should have it's one not. or the other. No, nope. it's no, it's 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 very humid here in in the summertime. But I I shan't complain when the <laughs> summer rolls around because I remember back to the winter. Yeah, yes. it's true. Yeah, that's what makes summer so enjoyable. And you grew up in the town that you live in now, right? Is that where you were born and raised? Yes. Yeah, I live in Port Perry, oh. Ontario. It's so cute. I always look up stuff. So I have like a general idea of where it's at. And it just, it looks like it's sit on like a lake or some type of tributary. Maybe not a lake is like the right term for it. Yep. Yeah. It's a lake. Is there like beaches and stuff there? Like, I guess lake (laughs) beaches. That's what we have here in Idaho. (laughs) Well, arguably this lake isn't the most uh, charming. (laughs) Some people make fun of this lake a lot. I don't know. I like it. It's kind of shallow and there's a lot of weeds. It's a man-made lake. So there's actually like an island in the middle of it. Um, But yeah, it's man-made, so it's very weedy. But some some spots are really nice. And yes, there are little sandbars around that you can find. There's one near my house. Um, I mean, it's nothing compared to like, you know, a beach at an ocean. But I mean, it works for us in the summertime. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all I grew up with. Like my family has lived in Idaho for four generations. And it was like river ponds lakes like no gigantic open bodies of water and a lot of it's man-made and so i i yep i know the weeds i know the feeling of those weeds i know those slimy ass rocks yeah see and i lived in california for a while when i was little and then we moved inland and i was like what the shit is this what is touching me like (laughs) yeah the little dark murky water yes and then everybody's like jumping in like diving and i'm like you guys are gonna die you're gonna die (laughs) You know, the nice thing about lakes is you don't have to worry about large carnivores or animals for that matter. Or tides. Like generally in a lake, you're not worried about getting sucked away by the tide or a wave or (laughs) dragged on the bottom. Yeah. Which is like, I'm here for that. Yeah. (laughs) I like, I like it because I just float I'm I'm afraid of the ocean. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, before I was like a grown up and like had a child, like I was like, hell yeah, let's go snorkel forever. And like now I'm like, probably not. Oh yeah. No, that I, I could live in the ocean forever. Oh, that's because you're, that's (laughs) you're Hawaiian. That's why. That's our, like when my husband and I retire, we've already discussed we're living on the ocean somewhere. Cool. I'll come visit. You can come visit. Not when it's I'll too make hot. sure it's not during shark season or Thank something. Thank you. Just whale watching season. I'll be okay with that. <laughs> now, is your family from Port Perry? Like, have you guys been there for a long time? Uh, yeah. So my dad's grandfather, uh, sorry, I'm just making sure I get this right, uh, immigrated here from Ireland oh. a long, long time ago. I don't know what the year was, but um, yeah, and... So yeah, that's how long that side of the family's been here. And he lived in a town or a city called Scarborough first. And then they were offering like a deal that if you moved out to the middle of nowhere, they'd give you like a piece of land, like a cow and a chicken. Oh wow! And then oh. you like, you could like start your own farm and then pay them back when you made the money. So he was like, yep, I'm doing that. So he, that's how he ended up here. He that- just took the middle of nowhere deal. <laughs> 
that and is how my family ended up in Idaho. Say, I feel like yeah, that's right? how everybody was yeah. got over here. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, hey, they offered my family. It was like they lived in Minnesota. They're Swedish and they got um, 80 acres. They were like, here's 80 acres here. <laughs> Go west, please, for the love of God and make it yeah. something because it's nothing. Well, and I was, you know, I was reading over your email that you sent us. I sent out that little questionnaire to everybody. And I was struck by your family's profession. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a, you know, people don't expect that one. <laughs> like, okay. So when I picture a bus barn, I picture like a school bus barn. Was, yeah. Or was it just fun buses or what? Was it school no, buses? No, it was not. It was not fun buses. It was school buses. Yeah. So yeah, in 1960, my grandpa started a school bus company because here there was like no school buses in the area that I, yeah. (laughs) And so they, they finally had enough population, I guess, that they actually needed a school bus and a school. So they were like, oh, who wants to, you know, drive the kids to school? My grandpa was like, he was driving a grader at the time and he was like, that sounds more fun. So he, he's like, I could do it. Yeah. So he's, he actually got the uh, contract for the first bus in this area the same day that my dad was born. So that was like the big joke that my dad grew up (laughs) in the bus business, literally (laughs) born straight into it. Yeah. Right to it. Cause you were, I mean, you were talking about your grandparents and I have such a like fondness for my grandparents and your grandmother sounds very similar to my grandmother, just on like a grander scale of collecting. Yeah. So that's my grandma. I think that was the grandma on my mom's side. I was talking about like the jadeite and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And the yeah, props, so my... which grandma collected? Oh no. So yeah, that's the, so that is my, that's my dad's mom. So yes, that is the bus company <laughs> side of the family. Yeah. She ran like all these huge church productions and yeah, I'm still like up in my, cause I bought their house. So I find I'm still finding all these treasures in the attic and in the garage. And yeah, I found like this giant barn because she did like an Oklahoma <laughs> production. Cause my dad's cause my dad had to be in all of them. So he had already told me that this had happened. And I'm like, Dad, I found a barn today. Would that happen to have been from Oklahoma? He's like, that definitely was from Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh my God. She's just like, yeah, we're just going to hold on to this. We're just going to. You never know oh, when it's going to. They held on to everything. I'm still finding bags of like costumes and top hats and canes. And, and <laughs> yeah. Are they okay? Are they both still living or are they both? Uh, no, they're both passed away. Oh, so you really are like, it's like a true labyrinth of mystique to figure out. Oh, definitely. <laughs> is it, do you, is your house on a lot of property or was they just were uh, Tetris people? Um, we have like a lot of the properties here are on, on big lots. Mine's an acre, which here that's kind of small where mm-hmm. I live, but it's big enough for me. I don't need any more than that. But yeah, generally the lots are pretty big here. Wow. That is big that's trouble for me. See, that's what my husband wanted when we bought our house. And I was like, no, no, I'm a city <laughs> girl. We don't do that. <laughs> we can't. We can't. I don't know what to do with that much land. He put stuff oh, on funny. it. He put out buildings. I'd get a donkey. He- that's what I, I'll have a house. I'll have a farm one day. You, you think that until you, yeah, until the winter hits and you're like, why did I get these animals? <laughs> did you grow up with farm animals like on a farm? Nope. We, no, we didn't do farm animals. All of our neighbors did, but we, we were more into like, cause we more industrial cause we were doing the, the transportation company. So didn't we didn't have animals. much time for animals. No, they had no yeah. time for That's those a animals. Lot of, 
they were too busy with the buses. Does your family still yeah. run the bus company or have they? Uh, no, they, no, they don't. They, uh, my dad's like semi-retired, so he still works in the same field, but he's, uh, he doesn't own it anymore. Which is probably like a bit of a relief because I can't, especially this last year with like the pandemic and everything and, you know, school buses not running a lot in some places. Yeah. 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 For sure. Like, I mean, I, it, my dad's worked really, really hard. My mom and dad has worked really hard their whole lives and you know, it was time. I'm glad that they have more time to, you know, do more of what they want to do. Mm-hmm. My dad can't sit still, but you know, I think that's the story for a lot of people. Yeah. My <laughs> right. dad can't yeah. either. Yeah. Yeah. Oh no, I can't either. So yeah, that's when I kind of, uh, when my dad kind of got out of it, that's when I moved on as well. I'd worked there you know, most of my adult life. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try something else now. So. Yeah. Move on from bus transportation. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you, you know, you grew up like I did with watching people collect and being around a lot of collections. Was it, and you describe it as kind of hoardery, which was very similar to my grandmothers, both grandmothers just collected kind of what they thought to be pretty. Was there like rhyme or reasons to your family's collections? What were they collecting when you were growing up that you were first like, Oh, old stuff's cool yeah um i i feel like my my mom's mom my grandma gloria she was always a collector of antiques like more antique stuff she always had like a jadeite collection and just that kind of stuff so i always noticed like you know uh with curated collections at her house and my mom she loves dishes she loves all kinds of stuff she has a lot of curated collection collections but i just think whereas um we're also the type of people that just can't like throw stuff away because you might need it. So it's not like hoarder in the, you know, the literal sense, but just, just excess stuff mm-hmm. just cause you might need it. Yeah. And a lot of times that has come in handy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It never fails. Like I just recently went through like a purge of stuff. And then before we sat down with you, we had um, our Patreon cocktail hour and we did the Golden Girls theme. So that's why we're very kind of done up today. (laughs) And uh, I went to look for this sweater that I had forever and it was black with embroidered white roses. Oh, cute. Apparently I thought somebody else needed it because I (laughs) donated it after not wearing it for four years. That's what I hate when you do purge it and then you're like, shit, Mm -hmm. I need that now. Yeah. Yeah. So I just went, okay, I guess I'll wear my fuzzy eyelash sweater. We'll just do oh, yeah. I have a, some big regrets of things I got rid of. So, I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. I have, I have an excess of stuff, mm-hmm. but I am trying to, you know, keep tabs on it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying hard. my hardest. It's hard. I always set something down and I'm like, I'm going to remember where I set this. And I'm like, just look at it a little bit longer. <laughs> and then six months later, I'm like, where did I put that? I know. I'm like, I put it in a drawer. It's safe. And I wrapped it. And then I'm like, I don't know. I don't know where it is. I'll find it. (laughs) I don't know where it is. What did you start collecting as a little girl? Like when you could start your own stuff? Well, I, I just remember my parents would always go to like flea markets and antique malls and things like that. And I would go along with them a lot. And I just remember kind of developing my own likes when I would be there. Mm -hmm. You know, I would be attracted to the kitschier things. My parents at the time were more into like primitive antiques and that. My mom likes Pyrex as well. But so then I was like, oh, I kind of like that. You know, I kind of like that. And then I don't know how I got into it, but I started collecting like Charlie Brown, like Snoopy and Peanuts stuff. 
So um, I just, when I would be at these antique malls and stuff with them, I would find like little items from like the 60s or the 70s, like Charlie Brown encyclopedias and Avon bottles that are, you know, Snoopy shampoo and all these things. So then I would, yeah. So that's kind of my first collection that I started. Oh, that seems like the perfect collection to like get off the ground because you could really find a lot of great stuff inside both of those worlds because there was so much like ephemera and memorabilia Mm -hmm. that went with those franchises. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'd cut like the comics out of the newspaper and I would just, I had all these albums full of comic strips. Like, I don't know why I did that, (laughs) but it kept me busy. I I remember my we had like a you know the cabinet you'd have in your house that had like where the phone books went and the phone sat and everything was there. My parents would cut out comic strips and put them there and I remember reading them as a child being like these are not funny. Why are you cutting these out? <laughs> and then I'm sure I'd find them funny now as an adult. I know. I just, yeah, I remember my parents would laugh at them and I'm like I don't get it. <laughs> and then they'd be like you're too young. You just you don't have troubles yet. Well, could you explain it to me? Maybe then I would find it funny. <laughs> When did you start to lean towards like what you collect now? Like, cause I feel like I really loved everything from the forties and fifties. And I still do like up behind me is like my Alberto Vargas pinup book. I have a pinup zombie pinup here. Like I always go back to those decades to me. Cause they just ring. I don't know. Just, they make me so happy. Like the colors and the shapes and I don't, the ephemera, it was such a turning point in the whole world after World War II. When did you start to go like, this is, this is my business. I got to get this stuff. Well, when I was a kid, um, we didn't have a lot of channels on the television. So I would watch Lawrence Welk all the time when I was like in kindergarten, because it was just on. And I actually loved it. Like that was my favorite show. So, and I just think seeing like all the rhinestone cowgirls and the fancy costumes and all of that stuff like it it really like sparked my interest for that era and I think it it mostly started with music because I started collecting records when I was really young but I actually didn't have a record player like I just loved the nostalgia of them and I knew that I wanted them but I didn't I wasn't even able to listen to them so then finally my I was shopping with my my mom and grandma one weekend and we found like a Fisher Price like those Fisher Price the lids and my grandma bought it for me I think it was like $20 but that was like the best thing that ever happened to me so I was finally able to start listening to my records and but I think that's where my love for Stuff, the stuff came from was like watching old movies and old TV shows. And my dad always had Bewitched on and I Dream of Genie and all those shows. Those were his favorite shows. So I think that is what sparked my love for it. It wasn't until though I got the internet that I, that I realized that like other people liked it too. Mm-hmm. And that kind of opened up like a different world for me when I was like around 18 or so is when I kind of really got into being able to use the internet. Cause like, I don't know. I, I had the internet, but I just didn't discover blogs or anything yet. So then yeah, blogs, because yeah. well, this was like, what, 12 years ago? Right. Well, it was a different, the internet was completely Maybe more. different. You just like, yeah, get on and Google something and no. find, you know, infinite amount of information about it. you truly had to like stumble upon an interest that you were like, Oh, this person, yeah. all, you know? And I feel like too, like you're from a fairly small town. I'm from a small town. And like when I was growing up, there wasn't a vintage community 
at all. Like the people that liked vintage or dressed like they're from the fifties were the weirdos and nobody understood it. And it was like, you know, it was interesting to now be in the other side of it where you just literally log into Instagram and you're like, I need to find this. Yeah, that's true. And it's, yeah, it was totally different. Yeah. It was totally different then. But then once I, I did find some people with like blogs that did retro houses and things like that. I started like reaching out to uh, stores. My friend Chantelle owns a store in Toronto called Ethel 20th Century Living. And she was actually one of the first people I like met in the, you know, people who like the vintage community. Mm -hmm. And she was super kind to me. And she sold me a Sputnik light for really cheap. And my dad rewired it for me. And that was kind of like how I started just, you know, reaching out to stores basically. And then I'm like, Oh, there's stores that actually sell all this kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. When you say to fart that, like find that niche. Yeah. It just like comes at you once Uh you know what you want and it's everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you want to buy it all. Yeah. And you said to you, you recently bought your grandparents' home. Yes. And that's kind of where your aesthetic looks like it's really come to life. Did you, were you, I'm sure you were decorating like this before, but is it different now that you have, you really have your own space to like, just do whatever you want with? Yeah. Like I, I, I formerly had like a different house in the same area and it was decorated very similarly, but uh, I really love the layout of my grandparents' place here. It's open concept, which was kind of abnormal for the time. Mm -hmm. It was built in 1972 and it was just like um, abnormal, especially for the houses around here. A lot of the houses, you know, like small rooms, you know, a cutoff kitchen to the living room, but here it's like all one big space. Mm. Um, and I just, I, yeah, I've really em- embraced the, I know it's like built in the seventies, but I like, all, like all the different areas, eras of the mid century. So mm. I just do what I like. Yeah. I don't feel like yeah. I really discriminate. Like I'm not a purist to like, this has to be from the forties or this has to be from the fifties. Like in this room alone, there's like five decades happening <laughs> decor wise. <laughs> There's like a swag light over there that's from the 60s. They have this cabinet behind me that's from the late 60s. You have modern stuff. Yeah, I I kind of have this magpie collecting thing where I don't necessarily go for like a, a generation. It's more of a concept of like what I'm trying to create, which I think is makes it more fun. Yeah, and a friend also had said to me once, like, you don't have to, you know, get the exact same era in a room because if you actually lived at that time, you wouldn't go out and buy new furniture every time That's like true. a new style came out. <laughs> you would have something from 10 years ago. You might have something new, but it wouldn't have looked time period correct at the, in those times. Maybe in a store it would or in a magazine spread, but it's not going to look look like that necessarily in somebody's home. Oh, I love that point. That's I, super true because holy crap. I think that gets Could lost. Could you imagine like yeah. having to buy furniture like every five <laughs> yeah. years? You'd literally have to just live in a Frank Lloyd Wright house. <laughs> like it'd just be like, this is my house and all of I'm, my things. I know. Half of it's functional. I'm sorry. Yeah. And the way you like decorate your house, I'm super jealous because if I did <laughs> that kind of stuff, it would look like a child did it. Yeah. How do you do that? Like, how do you make it to where it just, I don't know. It just looks so cute. Well, I think that the main thing is that I've just been collecting for so long. Like I have been buying this kind of stuff since I was probably like 18. So yeah, and my, my place didn't look 
that well put together when I first started, but it's through the years buying and also letting go of certain things that didn't quite fit in the room. Like I've spent a lot of time like curating. Mm -hmm. It's like, it takes time to get a color palette in a room when you're buying vintage stuff, because it's not like you can just like go to the vintage store and buy the, (laughs) you know, the blue stuff. I really wish it would be that easy guys. I know. So yeah, just over the years, it's been like, I've, Actually, like when I was like 18, my mom was like, I'm going to stop buying you crap for Christmas. You got to pick the colors that you want in your kitchen so that I can start buying you stuff that's useful. So I actually was like put on the spot when I was like a teenager and I literally picked turquoise and tangerine when I was 18. And my that's like the colors of my kitchen still because they had bought me a few things then. And I, you know, I'm glad that they did that because then I had stuff when I moved out. But yeah, yeah. so it's just like kind of picking a theme and sticking to it for this long has has made it so I was able to just like curate stuff in the colors I wanted, the style I wanted, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and I like I found because I've been collecting for a long time. I've been antiquing since I was like eight or nine years old. And it's the same thing. Like I, you kind of start as like almost an octopus working through an antique store where you're just like, oh, this is old and this is old and this is old yeah. and I'll take this home. Oh, yeah. and this is cool. And then you start to get to where you're like, okay, I kind of, I kind of see where I don't get sick of an aesthetic. And then, you know, I think people think like I go thrifting a lot and I'm on Facebook marketplace a lot and I'm looking for stuff, but like I have like a rolling list in my brain of pieces I'm always looking for. So if I see it out in the wild, I know it's going to go here with this piece, but all the pieces aren't there yet. Do you shop similarly to that? Um, yeah, definitely. Like there's certain things that if I see it, I'm going to buy it, even if I have, if I don't need it. But I've also gotten to a point where I might save it because I feel like I'm giving it a good home, but I will give it or sell it to a f- friend for what I paid just because I want it to go mm-hmm. to like, <laughs> to yeah. a good home. Yeah, But I'm... Yeah, but there are certain things that, yeah, I would buy no matter what. (laughs) We were just having this conversation about like reselling, right? Do you resell for the full value of the item or do you resell to make somebody else happy? Yeah. And I, I personally, I'm not in the business of selling Mm -hmm. as a rule. I mean, yeah, there's been like a couple things over time where, you know, I might've sold it 10 years later and I might've made a bit of a profit, but I generally just, I just kind of want to spread the love most of the time. I'm, I don't have time to be a seller. So it's just like, I'd rather, I just rather find it a good home. Mm -hmm. I kind of, it's like an antique foster care, you know, (laughs) I'm a vintage foster system where I'm like, this item can come and live with me for a little bit until I find it's forever home. the adopted mother comes and picks it up. Well, I just, for instance, scored a lot of Fire King, Jadeite, Delphite, Azurite, Milk Glass. And the, the person that was selling it didn't know what they had in their collection. And I went to buy it because it was very reasonable. <laughs> and I'm walking through the house and there is a lot of glassware and... Um, like Carnival Glass and Fenton and Pyrex and Porcelain. And I look at, I see this box on the ground and it has uranium glass and anchor hawking, Serrano glass and some Pyrex and some McCoy pottery. And I went, okay, I said, can I continue to buy stuff? (laughs) And he was like, sure. And I pulled stuff out of this box and he goes, oh, is any of that worth anything? We were just going to take it to the Goodwill. And I turned around slowly and I said, please don't throw anything else away. 
Like you have, your mother was an impeccable collector. And then today he had um, my dream kitchen table in the basement. And it's the um, Formica red top chrome edged chrome legs table. And he messaged me. I offered money to him there that day. And he goes, no, I know how much she paid for it. And then he messaged me today and he goes, are you still interested in that table? And I was like, yes. Are you kidding me? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, let's sell some more things so I can actually buy this table. I know. Now she's like, you want to buy any of this? And I'm like, I already bought what I wanted from you. I don't need anything else. So yeah, it's, um, it's a problem, but I do that too, where it's not, you know, I've never been in the, the real interest of wanting to sell or deal or, cause I think some, not all of it, but some of it can take the joy out of hunting if you're just looking for stuff for profit. Cause I for love, sure. I love the hunt. Yeah. And it's kind of different here as well. Like I see you guys and friends in the States as well. And they're always going to estate sales. Estate sales aren't as much of as a, of a thing here. I mean, they do happen, but it's mostly auctions. Like if you do go to an estate sale, it's going to be like an auction style estate sale. Oh, wow. So yeah, I mean, I, I know they do exist. Like, you know, pe- other Canadians are going to listen to this and be like, oh, she's lying. But <laughs> <laughs> I just mean like, it's not like you can go out on a Sunday and see like estate sale signs mm-hmm. outside in front of people's houses. That just doesn't really happen here that much. So or maybe I just don't know about it, but well, <laughs> you're going to get messages now. Like, <laughs> yes, Shermie, dear Shermie, you lying. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of yard sales and garage sales. And yeah, you can find like estate sale companies that do that, but it's just not like what I see that happens in the States. And it's not in our area either. Like estate sales just really started to become a little bit more normal, but like I never grew up going to estate sales and I'm sure it's similar for you there. Like in the winter, like shit like that shuts down. Like there are no oh, yard yeah. sales. There's no rubbish no. sales. There's none of that happening because people don't want to traipse in wet feet through their house. And it, you know, it's just the winter, everything stops. Yeah. And where I grew up, we had flea markets. Mm. Yeah. And we don't so have that when we came here, I'm like, Where's your guys' flea market? And they're like, what's a flea market? And I was like, all right, I got my answer. <laughs> and then when they do try to do it here, it's filled with not old stuff. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean. Cell phone cases. Yeah. <laughs> that don't fit. Uh-huh. Or like uh, MLM stuff or crocheted baby items. You know, it's oh, not yeah. it's not the true hunt. And I see like some of our friends and stuff that live in California and they go to swap meets and all this crap yeah. like every weekend. And I'm like, well, oh, yeah. just mute. I'm going to mute you for the weekend. <laughs> You're like, I don't care. I don't want to watch It's not you. fair. So no. where do you go to find your stuff? Um, Generally, we usually just hit, you know, flea markets, thrift stores, mm, antique malls, garage sales, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, But I, I have gotten lucky at auctions in the past. Actually, um, I, this is kind of a funny story. It was an estate sale that I went to when I was pretty young. I think it was probably like 20. My dad had just driven by and he actually knew the person who used to live there. It was kind of like 20 minutes outside of our town. And he called me and he was like, yeah, there's a estate auction happening here. You might want to go. So I had my little sister with me who was like, I don't know, probably like 10 at the time. And <laughs> And I made her stay there like the whole day because <laughs> like the best, it was like the best estate sale auction I've ever been to in my entire life to this day. So it was a, it was a couple who had, I'm not sure if they passed away or if they just like downsized, but they owned like a huge welding business. 
And so they had like their business on the property and they had this big house. So they were actually, the purpose was to auction off all the, the tools, oh, right. but then there was the stuff in the house, but no one really cared about it because <sighs> most of the people there were for like big tools. But that's where I got like a red Lurex fifties couch with like sparkle thread in it. Um, and I paid a dollar for it, like the couch <gasps> in the chair. Yeah. What? Actually, I paid, I, okay, no, sorry. I might've had to pay $25 for that because I missed it. Like they made me pay opening bid because I missed the auction, but then I paid a dollar for a turquoise one at the same estate. So, and I had, I lived at home. I had nowhere to put any of this stuff. <laughs> so I bought two couches in like, a chair. You're like, I got, I got like multicolor pole lamps. Oh. I got all this cool stuff. So then my dad showed up later in the day to help me like take some stuff home. And one of his friends was there and his friends like, I hope you have a strong back <laughs> because I bought all the couches with the beds in them, you know, like oh, the pillow no. beds yeah. that make them like 300 pounds. <laughs> so, so good tip. There's one actually only like four century furniture. Yeah. There's only like four bolts holding those beds in. So you can actually just like take the cushions off or turn it upside down and, and like take the bolts out and just take the bed contraption right out. So you can transport it like separately. Oh, yeah, hot tip. That is, yeah, good tip. hot tip. Uh, but so yeah, and so then the next day I had to go back again because I only had like a small car. So I went back the next day to pick up something, and they had all these like boxes ready to like go in the garbage or go to to well, it's Value Village here. We don't really have Goodwill anymore much. So so anyways, I'm like, oh, do you mind if I like go through the boxes? They're like, yeah, knock yourself out. So I go into the boxes and I found an ent- like almost an entire set of uh, the Fire King Blue Heaven, you know, like the Blue Heaven ones. Jill's, and I yeah, found a died. bullet planter, a bullet planter. My first bullet planter I found what? in the garbage. Yeah. I just was like pulling things out. I was almost in tears. I, so yeah, that was like my best. Uh, yeah, that will never yeah. happen again. No. Oh my no. God. Oh my Just the amount of luck of, yeah. I love finding a good time capsule that they don't know is a time capsule. That's how it felt to go to that house with all the glassware. Cause I'm like walking around and I'm like telling them like what they have in their house. And the basement was filled with like, I found a, a vintage uh, mid-century Culver glass set that I gave to her, the bar set with the gold and but it was underneath like a bunch of plastic bags getting ready to be taken out. And I was just like, I'll take that and I'll take this and I'll take that. And I just, you know, I wonder, I'm like, what do, what do their brains look like? The people that don't obsess about old things, what is occupying their brain? Yeah. I wonder <laughs> that too. It's like, what, what are you thinking about? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do when you watch an old show and you're just watching the background of the show? <laughs> And somebody's like, did you see what just yeah. happened? And I was like, did you see that light? Yeah. <laughs> That's dead stock. They never. Or when you see, yeah, seeing your own furniture in a TV show. Like I've oh, seen like yeah. rare things I have like in a TV show and I like pause it and take a picture and send it to all my friends. I'm like, oh my God, it's my lamp. <laughs> you didn't know I was this cool, but look. <laughs> I'm hip with the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am the f- the first person when somebody goes, hey, I have a bunch of old stuff that we're just getting rid of. And I'm like, sure, just drop it off. Oh, yeah. But you have to take all of it. Do you ever notice that's the deal? If you're like, yeah, I'll take it. Or, or can I look at it? They're like, no, you have to take it all. So then you have to like get rid of the stuff that they don't want. But I'm totally OK. With yeah, that. I'll wear I'll, That'll be my cross to bear. The, oh, yeah. Too much old I, stuff. <laughs> yeah. I know I get a lot of do you want this? And I'm like, mm, yeah, uh, no, not really. They're like, it's vintage. Okay, but it doesn't fit That's me. That's a very vast term. <laughs> and then I'm in the background going like this. Jill, take it. 
I know. Sam's always like, why didn't you take it? I could have I could have taken it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you just curry it to my house. I'm not the hoarder kind of vintage picker. <laughs> I, well, that's the balance we've struck in this damn show because I am. I I, and I come by it honestly because my grandmother yes. is the one that just like I. OK, I've told this story a million times, but she started collecting depression glass for me. I'm sure as soon as I was fertilized inside <laughs> of my mother, because I have never gone through all of it. Like she gave me all of it when I got married at 21. I'm, I will be 31. And I've just kind of moved the boxes around and they've been in my basement for four years. I've had them for a decade. And it was kind of always like, I don't want to open that until I have somewhere to put it. So the other day I was going through my storage room and I was like, I should probably open this. And then I got an immense amount of heartburn because there was four boxes for a setting of like 10 people. I was going to say it's like a 16 <laughs> place setting. And I'm just like, did my grandmother think I was going to live in a mansion? <laughs> <laughs> Where in her mind was she like, yes, she needs 10 dinner plates, salad plates, well, coffee cups. You don't know what you're going to, who you're going to be entertaining. I'm not so going to get to be prepared. Only people that know how to handle porcelain and China and <laughs> That's glassware. The other thing. <laughs> You'd never bring that out for a party. My son's birthday party. <laughs> Here kids, go ahead and just eat off of this glassware. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm my own, my grandmother's only granddaughter. So I, uh, I, it's you got too, all the stuff, yeah. Too much stuff. Well, I'm lucky. I kind of have really benefited from my my grandpa's knack for keeping stuff around, and my dad because I haven't had to buy a shovel or a, you know, there's like because you know I got all of, all of his yard tools, but he's like he'll have like four shovels, and I'm like okay, that's fine. Yeah. I don't need to buy a shovel. We noticed that we went to an estate <laughs> sale, and the lady had like eight shovels, and I was like, why do you have eight? shovels i just don't want anybody to go into my shed (laughs) (laughs) do you have eight shovels yeah they all have a different purpose that's true there's a square shovel a rounded shovel some of them are heavier some of them are lighter some of them are for my son you do you boo if you need a shovel i'll come to you there you go yeah, because you, I mean, you were around people practically collecting and then collecting for fun, too. So Yeah, yeah, I had I had both influences, but I've, I've definitely taken on both, both personalities. It's like, oh, I better not throw that piece of wood out. I'm just like, I am a dad. I am a dad. <laughs> oh, this box is really good. This is a good yeah. box. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. I said that the other day. My husband's like, I'm throwing these boxes. I'm like, no, those are good boxes. That's a good yeah. wrapping box. You wrap something in that. He's like, I thought you're going to be 41, not 81. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> it is a good box. A good you never box. know. <laughs> Leave me be. Boxes. And well, you collect, so you have all your vintage and mid-century kind of house stuff, but your style is absolutely yes. impeccable. Can we talk about your glasses? We are like obsessed oh, with thanks. your glasses. These are actually from a Canadian company called Bond Look. They're not vintage. They're, they just are vintage look. Faux yeah. vintage. We, we love, love that. It. Yes. We love a yeah. cat eye. It's my go-to <laughs> eye shape. I just, I, I don't think I could wear a different style of glasses now. Mm-mm. I just don't really relate with any other shape. But yeah, I don't know. I just, I don't even know how to be anything but this style now because mm-hmm. <laughs> my brain just works in this way. So every time I do something, it ends up being in like a 60s 
it has a, a 60s aesthetic no matter what I basically do. <laughs> well, you're totally rocking it, so it's working. Yeah. Oh, it's, well, thank do you, you. Do you buy a lot of vintage clothing or do you buy more like vintage inspired or is it a pretty good mix? Um, I feel like I probably equal, equal parts, both. Mm-hmm. But I even will just buy like, you know, clothes, mall clothes that kind of look vintage and then like make a skirt that can go with it. Or I try not to buy too much clothes anymore. Cause I have so much that I'm like, I really don't, I could just wear all these other ones. It's true. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying really hard, especially cause we have the band and we have like an entire closet dedicated to like our oh, band outfits. Uh. So it's like, I really have to watch how much clothing I incur as a human because I have an entire closet full of three other people's clothing in my house. <laughs> Yeah, let's talk about the band because I didn't quite connect the dots when we were first talking. And then I started Googling and I was like, oh, no, (laughs) she's too cool for us. (laughs) That's the point. We were like, oh, cool. And then we're like, oh, fuck. Oh, my. Yeah. Then we were like, shit, shit. We can't do it. We can't do it. (laughs) And then I told somebody, I was like, oh, my gosh, we're going to interview this person. I'm like, she's a guitar player and her band's called the Surfer Jets. And she goes, are you interviewing Shermie? And I was like, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, but they're a part of the guitar community, too. So I was just like, okay, okay, yep, here we go. So I, uh, I love the name, first of all. What a great play on words. And then to get across exactly what you guys are in one phrase. Yeah. When did you guys, when did you start? What is, what's the origin story for you? Um, so I think it was, it was 2015 and I don't know. I was just really getting, I don't know, feeling like I wanted to relearn the guitar because I played when I was a teenager for a bit, but I let it go. So I'd, um, I'd had my friend, Nicole, who's the other guitar player in the band. And I got in touch with her and I was like, Oh, do you still play guitar? And she's like, no, not really. I was like, Oh dang. Cause I kind of wanted to start a band and she's like, Oh, well, Okay. So we just like, that's the origin story. We were just like, okay, let's learn how to play the guitar again. So together we would sit down a couple of times a week and just really try to remember how to play the instrument. And, but then that worked out really great because we ended up uh, getting like the style of playing together. And we were like, oh, let's start a surf band because it's really fun to play instrumental guitar music. And yeah, then we had our, fir- we, we found a couple other people that to join the band and we had our first show and it had such like an overwhelming response that we were like, oh, people actually want to hear us play. So yeah. And then just since that first show, we just haven't stopped. <laughs> I kind of been kind of been a whirlwind. I don't even know what happened. Well, it's I I love first of all the aesthetic because it is like yeah. head to toe like sixty surf rock, and it's like chef's kiss. It is so well done that I think that when people it's a, like an almost like an immersive experience to watch you guys play like from one of your YouTube videos or seeing a little snippet of it online. Cause it's, I, I love stuff that just people are just like, we're going all the way or nothing. Here mm-hmm. we go. Well, yeah, it's a lot of the time. It's not all, all about the music, right? Cause it's like people want to have a, uh, an entire experience versus mm-hmm. just hearing like a good song. So especially with instrumental music, like I'm not saying instrumental is boring because it's not. It's, one of, it's like my favorite genre of music, but having, you know, the fa- the outfits and the hair and stuff that goes along with it really just, you know, takes the 
it up a notch in my opinion. So yeah, we just, that's always been really important to us. And we've always put a lot of effort into our aesthetic and that's really paid off and it makes you memorable too. Cause you know, like even I, you know, you had seen my band, but mm-hmm. you know, just didn't make the connection, but yeah. No, and it was, yeah. Cause I had seen the, um, which I wanted to ask, we can cut this if we want. Can we play a little bit of, uh, toxic in the show? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's cool fine. Beans. It's not our song. Oh, well, it's <laughs> true. <laughs> no, maybe I shouldn't go after Britney Spears. <laughs> no. She's got a 15, keep it under 15 seconds and you'll be fine. Cool beans. Great. Yeah, you yeah. heard it here first. Um, <laughs> Yeah, when I saw that video of Toxic go viral, essentially, and I was just like, holy shit, look at these girls tearing it up, like putting something that was a a real nugget of pop culture back Mm -hmm. in time is so cool. What was that just, did you guys just sit down and think like, this would be fun. Let's do this. Well, it's funny because in the comments, there'll be like the trolls, it'll be like, oh, there's bad set lighting and oh, the sound guy isn't doing his job and all this stuff. And I'm like, no, we actually just, we had a photo shoot that day in the house. And then the photographer was here. Her name's Courtney, Courtney Reader. And I was like, oh, hey, Courtney, do you want to just like take a video of us playing a song? Cause we're all like dressed up and she's like, oh sure. So she's actually hand holding an iPhone <laughs> and we just like played a song. That's it. That's the story. We didn't do anything fancy. There's no lighting. There's no sound guy. <laughs> and then we just posted it and it got, started getting a lot of views. I'm like, oh man. Oh, oh boy. Hold on a minute. Wait, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah. Wait, what's going on here? Yeah. I actually didn't, but I guess. It's and then people, okay. people really complain about the flat screen TV in the background. <laughs> And I'm like, it's because it's our house. Like, I, I'm like, I, I was say to people, I'm like, it's, it's because it's our house. Mm-hmm. We, we live here. <laughs> like some things we have modern. Also, vintage yeah. gatekeeping is not a good look, guys. I know. <laughs> do not, do not. It's not nice. People are allowed to have old things and also modern things. If you're going to gatekeep, I need you to go after people that are role playing the 19th well, century with indoor plumbing. Here's the thing: you shouldn't be <laughs> on the internet. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna do it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you need to learn how to do um, Morse code. I need yeah. you to get some carrier <laughs> pigeons. Get an Commit. outhouse. Commit. Yes, an outhouse. Yeah, totally. Horse and buggy. Yeah. Okay. And leave us alone. Make your own bread. Get rid of refrigeration. Yep. Go chop that ice block. Yeah. Also, vaccines. Bye. And medicines. <laughs> yep. Sorry. <laughs> I'm just, I'm mad about it. I don't like, I don't, I don't like when somebody else has an, an idea of what their collection has to look like. And then they think somebody else's collection has to look like that too. Or it's someone who doesn't collect and they're just saying something to say something. And it's like, oh, sorry, was my 57 vintage pieces not enough? Yeah, it's right. <laughs> you it's had like, to pinpoint the one modern thing in the room. Okay. You should get like a, a screensaver if it's a smart TV of an old TV and put it on the flat screen. <laughs> That's a good idea. Just be like, well, technically. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's a flat screen <laughs> with an old TV in it. So really, it's like a picture. Yeah. It's a picture. You know, they make picture TVs. Yes. They're called like frame or something. And they're like $8,000. Yes. <laughs> yes. I know. I was like, that'd be cool. And then I'm like, nope. I'll just look at a TV nope. and remember my tax bracket. <laughs> I'll just spray paint my TV. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, don't tell me that. I could do that. 
I love just breaking good. shit. I know. So outside of like your band stuff, I know you have a lot of other band related collections inside. And you mentioned something about a drum story mysteriously in your email. What's that story? Oh, yes. I think this is one of my favorite stories of, you know, getting like a cool vintage item. Um, When I did start the band, we didn't have a drum set. So I was just talking to my dad about it. And he was like, oh, I've got a drum set. I'm like, no, you don't. Like, I think I would have seen it. And he's like, no, it's at dad's up in the garage. And I'm like, well, I've never seen a drum set there. And he's like, no, no, it's there. So then, yeah, my dad just goes over a couple of days later and he comes back and it's a 1964 Ludwig kit. And it's like what Ringo Starr played in the Beatles. Yeah. And I'm just like, what? And it was like completely dirty. Like it was covered in dust, like like right. years and yeah. years and years of, of dirt and debris. And I was just like, okay, you definitely have a drum set. And he's like, yeah, well, you know, you can fix it up and use it. So I'm like, where'd you get it? And he's like, well, when my, when my great grandpa emigrated from Ireland, he came here and he ran like a, a pipe and drum band. And then he moved out here and he um, just, I guess, bought this from like the penny saver or something like a a classified ad, this drum set. And it was in his bedroom. And my dad had bought his house when he passed away. And this drum set was like in his bedroom and he didn't want to throw it out or get rid of it. So he just like put it up in my grandpa's garage. Um, And (laughs) yeah, so it just like came into my life. But like people would die for this drum set and it literally just like fell in my lap it was literally just forgotten in a garage yeah yeah, yeah, lug this down oh here you go it's like yeah and then he's like i'm like well the ride symbol was missing like the big round symbol that you know and i was like oh dang just this one symbol's missing but it's like yeah i remember mom took that for one of those church productions she used it as a gong (laughs) i was like oh he's like so i'm sure i'm bound to find the ride symbol eventually i just haven't come across it yet but yeah we that's what are we always use to record i've used it um in like shows and other bands have played it in shows and it's an amazing sounding set. And I just had all that. I've had the heads replaced. Some of the heads are original. Like they're just on the underside. So yeah, it's, it's like, it looks a bit, you know, flimsy sometimes because old sets weren't as like new drum sets are so thick and heavy and Mm -hmm. you know, but the, the old drum stands are really thin and they're like called tripod stands and they kind of like sway sometimes when you're playing really hard. (laughs) You're like, hold on People have like laughed at our drum equipment on the stage when we like cleaning our stuff and be like, whose kick pedal is this? And I'll be like, it's ours. It's vintage. Like, it's like <laughs> 60 years old. You're like, it was my grandfather's, you ass. Yeah. yeah. Leave me be. What a cool thing to find. Like, take that as a note, everybody. Like, ask your parents about the weird stuff they've put in the garage. Yeah. Go look yeah. up in the rafters. Because I always yeah, feel like was, yeah. people don't think they have uh, cool stuff. And then your dad, obviously, was just like, oh, this whole thing? <laughs> oh, yeah. My dad has, like, so much cool stuff. I don't even, like, go to the hardware store be- anymore before calling him. I'll just call him and be like, hey, do you have X, Y, or Z? <laughs> I'll be like, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, and it's yes, usually yes. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, dad. just call- I do the same thing to my dad, too. My, uh, my stepmother is a picker. And so I'll usually call him and be like, hey, do you have one of these weird 1960s serving things? And he would be like, yeah, I think we have it. They call it the hurricane room because it looks like a hurricane hit it. <laughs> so he's like, I think it's down in the hurricane room. And I'm like, OK, thank you. I know they probably have some good swag lights in their house. Oh, I bet. You're really handy, too. You have done a lot of the work in your house by yourself, especially during the pandemic, right? Yeah. 
Yes, I've definitely been on a home improvement rampage since the pandemic started. <laughs> Same. Um, I just want to ask only to encourage my own bad behavior. How hard was it to paint your kitchen tile and how does it hold up? Well, it's funny you ask because I'm, you know, a lot of people are asking me what the how it's holding up and I'm happy to announce it's holding up pretty well. I mean, I've only really nicked it once and I scuffed furniture on it when we were moving it back in the house, but it didn't matter because it was just like in the corner. So yeah, I mean, it's not going to be as tough if you had brand new tile, but the way I'm looking at it is that at least you can repaint one tile. Mm -hmm. If you, if you scratch a tile, you can actually just repaint that tile and seal it again. And like, what other floor can you do that with? You can't like, you know, drill out a a, a ceramic tile and replace it. So I'm actually telling myself like, Hey, this was a smart move. If I, if I mark it up, I can just repaint it. Yeah. I feel like when you make that move aesthetically, like to commit, like you have in your house to mid-century, Eventually, one day, I'm sure you'd like to get that tile floor redone. But obviously, it's not in the budget for a lot of people to just redo a tile floor in a kitchen. Oh, yeah. There's like so many reasons why I just painted it. Um, But yeah, mostly because it's just like it was the easiest solution for right now. Um, it was hard. It wasn't hard to do. It just took a lot of time because you yeah. need to have the, like the drying time in between the coats. Cause it's like two base coats. Actually I had three in some spots. So say three base coats and then the poly two poly top coats I did. And then you need like the appropriate drying time in between each of those. So your kitchen's basically unusable. Like my, uh, my other guitar player, Nicole and I actually live together. So like we're roommates. So we were eating like microwave meals out of the laundry room. (laughs) I felt so bad. We were using the snow outside as like a fridge. We do that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's holding up pretty well. And I just put felt on the bottom of all of my furniture. And yeah, I haven't really had any issues. So it was a pretty affordable solution to ugly tile. Yeah. I, um, I hate the tile in my kitchen. It was put on top of what I think were the original hardwood floors or the original tile for the house because my house was built in the 50s. And then Jill and I, one night after recording, I just started breaking off pieces of trim to see if there was any idea of what I could find. And um, I realized something yesterday. I was walking through the kitchen. The whole kitchen must have been gutted at some point because everything's built on top of the tiles. So if I wanted to take the tiles out... yeah. I have to start uh, over. Yeah. Don't do it, Sam. I know. I cannot afford it. My kitchen is not large, but it would be, if I was going to redo it, everything I would I feel like out. one day I'm going to come over and the tile and the cabinets will be gone. I'm like, hi. <laughs> Nothing's Yeah, happening. that's, that's, I'm like that too. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, I almost, so I didn't have any, I was, I just reorganized this room and got it set up as the showroom and cute kind of behind us and. Um, I was down here last night at almost one in the morning and I was like, I should take the carpet off the stairs <laughs> just cause I hate the carpet on the stairs. And I was like, I'm already down here one o'clock in the morning. <laughs> then I was like, don't do it. You got to take advantage of those bursts, the, those bursts of energy that you have for these projects though. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I could sit around for two weeks and not do anything. Mm-hmm. And then one day at 2am I might get that inkling and I just try to take advantage of those moments yeah. of do you start it though and then like ah oh, shit I shouldn't have done this oh yeah definitely I had those moments during the floor I was like I because I, I thought about doing the floor for a long time but then I don't know what got in my brain I just all of a sudden was like yep I'm doing it next week I'm doing it and it was hard to like track down all the supplies because we're 
we're because of, of COVID, like we have a lot of restrictions right now. So it's just like, I got, got into like partway into the project. I'm like, wait, now I have to find X, Y, or Z. Oh, I'm like, what did I do? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> like, oh yeah. shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I do that a lot more than I should. And I hate it because my brain does, it gets 42 steps ahead of itself and I just get so wrapped up in whatever. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. That's me. I can't like focus on one thing. I have to, I've got, I always have too many projects going on at once, but Hey, it could be worse. Yeah. It's yeah. true. I say at least you have something going Then you can like tinker with each one. Like when you get bored with one, you go to the next one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I tell myself. I, yeah. Yeah. I just think that because we, you know, we can't tour, we can't play shows. Everything's been put on hold, you know, work like I'm not working as much right now that I'm trying to get as much done in the house so that when I am back yeah. to being busy, then I can look back and be like, okay, that's fine. Cause I got all this stuff done, but yeah, not being able to, not being able to thrift is, is hard right now. Yeah. It was, I was, I had the same kind of feelings this year where I was like, I need to get all this stuff done because as soon as I can leave this house, whenever I want, I'm doing it. Yeah. And I didn't start thrifting until mm, probably I would say November or December of this year. And it was really going at like not peak hours when I knew there wasn't going to be a lot of people there. I didn't go to any yard sales this year. We've barely gone to estate sales because we live in an area of people that don't think COVID is a real thing. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Been fun. It's been super fun. Yeah. It's a nightmare, (laughs) but I'm excited. I'm very excited for what this year brings, even if it's the tail end of the summer you know, and the world's a little bit more back to normal. I can't wait to yeah. be elbow to elbow to people just drinking in a park. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the true know. dreams of things. Listening to music. Do you guys hope to tour this year? Or are you just kind of keeping it on the back burner? Well, I mean, we do have like things that are tentatively booked or booked. And it's just a matter of waiting to see what happens with the world. So, yeah, there are things on the books but we just kind of have to wait and see right yeah yeah that's Mm -hmm. kind of yeah it's a waiting game and it's a it's frustrating and it's i was i saw this tiktok the other day that said um uh it said it was like a happy music and it was like people with spring birthdays and he's kind of dancing and then this like thing kind of comes out from the other side it says people who spent their last spring birthday in quarantine it's just (laughs) Because I spent my 30th birthday at the beginning of the pandemic last year. Like, yay. Uh, I know. I remember for my 40th birthday, we were like, this is the last time we'll be together. mm -hmm. And then it really was the last time we were all together. So I was like, "Mm." yeah. So I really don't want to do that again, guys. So please wear your masks. Don't be turds. (laughs) Uh, Speaking of being a gigantic turd. Oh, God, you are such a turd. It's time for my favorite part of the show. The Estates I'll walk through. Okay. We'll call it the flea market walkthrough for you. We'll call it you You came over and you started your own estate sale company. Just kidding. Because <laughs> <laughs> in Canada, they don't have estate sales really. In your part. Sorry, Canadians. <laughs> so today we're shopping in a location in and around Toronto. And we're trying to stay two steps ahead of Terry Foster and his wife for treasures because <laughs> they're also out shopping. Yes. And they always get the good shit. Mm-hmm. They know what they're after. So we're, we're, we started earlier. We're ready to go. 
So the first stop we go to is a small boutique store and we're looking for smalls. So small kitsch items, little things to fill a collection that don't take up a lot of space. We pour over the case of salt and pepper shakers. Do you choose snails, mermaids, or ice cream cones, salt and pepper shakers? Ooh, mermaids. Ooh. I know. I shocked you. Eh. Sure me. You know, I'm going to have to go with mermaids, too. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to go with snails. Yeah, I knew. I already have the snails. Oh. <laughs> See, she found a loophole. Turd. Add to the collection. <laughs> I'm sure you already have ice cream cones, too. Well, that's what I'm saying. I have a lot of ice cream stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have like a... A, uh, my friend Ron lives in Pennsylvania. He lives in Hershey, Pennsylvania, and he hooks me up with a lot of my ice cream boxes because he just like they're they're very uh, populous there for some reason. But wow. yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> we have connections yeah. in Hershey. We do. Oh yeah, he's uh, and he actually works there too, like at the Hershey place. Yeah, so wow. <laughs> yeah, he's one of my he's one of my like internet friends that I've made. Because yeah. you have the so cutest bad. ice cream stuff. Yeah, you do. Thank you. This is this damn show. Because I'll see somebody's <laughs> collection and I'm like, oh, that's cute. I like, could call you'll be like, oh, I didn't know that was a thing. Well, sometimes I pick things because they're like affordable mm-hmm. or they're not heavy to ship. Because in Canada, you yes. can't buy anything on the friggin' internet because the shipping's always $35. Oh, Canada. So <laughs> it's like, oh, ice cream boxes, they'll fold flat and it's paper. But then the shipping's still like $25. <laughs> We'll just, you just need to meet somebody at the border. Are the polar bears like carrying oh. it across the border or something? Yeah. That's their method. Oh, believe me. I've thought of every, everything to try to like get the shipping costs down. But I mean, now that the borders are closed, there's like, have you tried to just go directly do. up to Justin Trudeau and smacking him and go, <laughs> will you please lower the shipping well, costs? Well, since I'm not in jail, no, I have not done that. All right. <laughs> All right. It's probably a good idea. Don't do it. Don't do that. The show does not condone. I, I, I really feel like it's, the American Postal Service, so that's charging us all the money. But I do love USPS. Probably. Don't get me wrong. It's so fast. Like, our our mail here is pretty slow. And when I do mail stuff when I'm in the States, I can't, I'm always, like, shocked at how fast your mail gets places. <laughs> Maybe not the past couple months when yeah. that all happened. But um, otherwise, yeah, you guys hold on to that. We'll okay. launch that. We will. We will. Don't take it for granted. Also, you can have, the show doesn't yeah. condone punching any heads of state. I just want that to be. Oh, that's fine. I'm sure it's appropriate at times. I just. Yeah, this is true. This is very appropriate. Okay. (laughs) Next, we go to a flea market and we head straight for the booth with vintage lights. Do you choose the orange ceramic atomic swag light or the tension pole lamp with cone shades? Me? Yeah. Whoever goes to go first. I'm going to, I'm going to take the swag light. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm also going to take the swag light. I already have a, a pole light with cone shades. I don't have either. So I'm going to go with the pole light. Oh, good choice. I don't know where I'm going to put it yet, but that's what I'm getting. Okay. Just find a spot. That's what vintage is. Just to find a spot for it to live. I do love pool lamps, but they're tricky. I have weird like ceiling heights in my house. So like oh, sometimes yeah. they are too short and sometimes they're my ceilings are too short for them. So I learned that the yeah. hard way this year. Yeah, yeah you did. I you bought saw a piece off. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. I, no, I had to add. Oh wood. yeah. She added like this much of wood underneath four by four it. Post. And then it's like, you can't touch it. You right? don't. Touch it. 
It's for aesthetics. <laughs> I got it for a really good price at an estate sale. And I was like, I was so stoked to put it up. And I carried it into the living room. And I was like, oh. You're so excited. And then it got like, me. I wouldn't. It just was leaning. It was a leaning light. Should have got us. They had a beautiful swag at this estate sale, but they wanted so much for it. It was like a six shade stained glass. Oh, yeah. It was pretty. Swag light, but they wanted $1,500 for it. And I was like, nice try. Not today. Okay. That. The last stop we stop at is a storage unit that's being sold in lots. There are several boxes to choose from. It was somebody's collection put away that the kids didn't want anymore. Do you choose a box of vintage diner items, vintage movie items, or vintage music items? And they're kind of a smorgasbord. I think I'm going to take the music stuff. <gasps> Surprise. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm always like, I know, and then like drop this bomb on me. I'm going to go with the vintage movie items just because I think that they will uh, be cool to decorate with. It'll all be cool to decorate with. But. Yeah, I think I'm going to go music. Oh. Yeah. That's a good choice. I re- I already regret the decision, <laughs> but that's what I'm sticking with. We're going One day music. in our lives, we'll buy actual storage units to just pick through. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like you, when you've crossed over to another problem, doesn't it? No, let's not go there yet. <laughs> not yet. All right, Miss Shermie, where can our listeners find all your goodies at online? Where do they find you? Um, so I'm on Instagram at Miss Shermette. Well, Miss underscore Shermette. I'm on Instagram with my band at The Surfer Jets. And my, uh, my band's on Facebook. And yeah, you can buy my band stuff at High Tide Recordings. Awesome. Cool. And we will be sure to link all of that on our Instagram and on your website page for your episode. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today and sharing about your collectibles. I hope that we get to catch you guys on tour as soon as yes. possible. Cause that's yeah, we nice. haven't hit the Midwest yet. Yeah, we need to get there. Yeah. yeah. You got to come this way. It's, uh, yeah. it's fun. I think it's good picking. I'll say that. You yeah. You get some treasures. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's what we got going on. That's it. And potatoes. Yeah. We got great potatoes. Just the best for you. I love potatoes. Potatoes are my favorite food. So, See, we so got there we go. Sellers of them. You can swim <laughs> in them if you wanted to. Literally. Alrighty. Thank you so much for sitting down with us today. I hope you don't freeze your took us off in the rest of your winter and we'll do the same. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I had so much fun sitting down with her. I know we say at the beginning of every Curio Corner, but really you and I go into these interviews pretty blind as to like who the person is It now as the show's grown. Yeah. Before we were doing like tons and tons and tons of research. And then mm-hmm. I think we got so much into our heads about it that we could tell that it wasn't working. So <laughs> now we just, we do like minimal and then it's honestly mm. just a conversation to get to know the person and we don't know what we're gonna get right like I, I try to look up like uh stuff that they're known for if they're somebody of some type of accolades and um Shermie used to do a blog and so I was able to find a lot of stuff across the internet for her too but like you were saying I found when I was doing a lot more like background pre-show research I would get kind of lost in trying to ask the questions to get to the answer I wanted, blah, blah, blah. Like things like that, that I was just like, I got to get rid of this. It's let's be honest. It was all me (laughs) being the weirdo about it. (laughs) No, I too would look and then I'd psych myself out like, Oh my God, these people aren't going to like me. They're way too cool. 
they're so much cooler than I am. Wait. And she was, she was just adorable. Oh my gosh. The nicest person. And she's we, just so sweet. So sweet. Well, she's also Canadian. So like, thanks Terry and Jeremy for just being the yeah. nicest. A. Sorry. I had to get one in somewhere. <laughs> I know every time she'd be talking and she'd say something very Canadian, I was like, oh my God, that's adorable. So it was funny. So we did like that Instagram poll of like most overrated antique or vintage items. Uh And some people came to full on fist fight. I about, I was getting stabby. (laughs) Because a lot of people said Pyrex. I know. And And you know what? (laughs) Screw you all. I'll just keep it. Okay. (laughs) But there was somebody, I won't, I won't name her name. She said mid-mod furniture, and Terry was in my DMs so fast with an angry <laughs> react of being, who said this? And I was like, you made a Canadian unhappy. That takes a lot. Takes a lot. Takes a lot. And then I'll also out Terry and be like, he's the one that made the yo mama joke. <laughs> and I laughed very hard, very hard at that. We had, you know, it was fun to revisit mid-century stuff in her episode after we've talked to a couple of different people and having a little bit better grasp on the era of, you know, all of that. Yeah. Cause we kind of understand more of where like things are coming and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. which you got to see We have a very special Patreon episode coming out this month. Uh, it'll be Hayden Peters again from the art of mourning. Uh, and if you could have seen my brain explode, while we yeah. were talking to him because it was that same thing of like just you and I were just connecting all of these dots about stuff we had heard and read and seen and yeah it's so funny because we were talking about and he started talking about like um certain eras and I'm like I know that era and that led to this era and this led to this movement and I feel fancy now I felt so fancy I liked how you and I though did dress up more this time we did we were a little more prepared um yeah because this was we first very it was like what nine o'clock in the morning there in australia yeah he was very dapper always the sweetest and he told us some like personal stuff about um an upcoming important event in his life and to hear him talk about his plans oh my god oh my god uh i just love him but we it was so it was really cool to revisit mid-century and we learned a lot about some different stuff in this episode. So we, um, when Shermie sent me her, I send out, for those of you that don't know, I send out a pre-show questionnaire just so I can kind of get a grasp of what kind of stuff they're into for my favorite part of the show. When we do the estate sale walkthrough, it helps me kind of write that up and also kind of see where their collections may land. But I'm always surprised when we sit down with them. And one of the things she included in her uh, pre-show questionnaire was a bullet planter. Yes. And I have seen these. And now, just like everything else. I have not until I Googled it. And I was like, where the shit has this been all my life? It looks so good in your house. Right? So good in your house. Like in your dining room? Yes. I need two of them. So if two big ones, I need them. We're on the hunt, guys. We'll pay shipping. (laughs) And for the item. Yeah. So I'm sure you saw when you were canoodling the internet today and looking for stuff. Um, I looked up bullet planter history, right? Just slapped uh-huh. it into Google and there's nothing. There's no, a real, I thought that was weird. Right. Seems like maybe like it was dropped by aliens. 
So I just kind of skimmed a bunch of stuff and threw this together from this is information is from house.com, which actually borrowed its information from the one blog online design within reach that had an article on bullet planters, which is wild to me. So it's another popular collectible from the design boom of the 1950s. And there is no known initial designer as nobody licensed the creation of the bullet planter, which is crazy. To that me. is so crazy because something that popular, you know, somebody would want to smack their name on that. Right. And, you know, of course, there's, there's lots of different places that made them like they were reproduced widely by almost every manufacturer. So you can see them like Eames inspired stuff just all through the mid-century modern era this bullet planter is made and they're made of compression molded fiberglass in the shape of what the top of a bullet looks like and the stand is made of powder coated steel that kind of comes up and like cups it in like a three-prong setting it's different depending on the design and it perches on these little feet these oh three my. little feeties they're so cute and they don't take up a lot of room they're really versatile like i saw people using them as coolers in the summertime so putting ice yeah. and beers in them, using them as like a media collector next to a couch, using them in uh, entryways with plants, using them outside, just all over the place. And if you're lucky and you stumble across them in the wild, a vintage one, you can expect to spend anywhere of, if somebody doesn't know what they have, $15 to three or $400 fees. And they're still being reproduced today. You can buy them online. And I was looking at the prices of them and I was like, good God, they are so expensive. Like for a yeah, new well, one. It's really weird to me since nobody knows where they started. Right. That like there's to me, like, it's like if they didn't have a name, like, it's just something like, oh, we can just mass produce these for cheap. Yeah. But. Uh, which I saw. Okay. I don't know if you saw this. I was stumbling around and I saw um, them for sale on Vatican.com. And I was like, did somebody, I did. I saw, <laughs> did somebody, I got to go look it up. Did somebody buy the domain out from underneath the Catholic church and is trolling as an eBay? No, it was like, Vatican. what? I'm like, is the Pope hurting for money? I don't he's understand. In the, he's in the antique game. Well, we got to get out. Yeah, we got to be prepared, guys. We got to get going. Yeah, Vatican.com. And it yeah, has... like all sorts of like stuff. Yeah, guys, what is this a joke we don't know about? Yes, please, somebody tell us what we've just stumbled upon because it's a rabbit hole. I, yeah. And like the logo itself literally <laughs> it looks, looks like, like the Vatican. Vatican. Christian collectibles, Christian sheet music. I am so perplexed by this. I'm going to link this on the website. You guys can go to the mothballprophecies.com underneath Shermie's episode and you you can click on the vatican.com to all of the mid-century, I don't know, priest antiques. Maybe they're claiming it. I guess they're already they're like we see the rise in this. They're like uh doing what uh Reddit bros did to GameStop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're saving them. It's fine. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. So that wasn't the only, I mean, she was very like, she, a lot of her style was in the 1950s. And <sighs> one of the things we um, brought up was Sputnik. And all I could think of is, um, what is it? My husband's an axe murderer. What's that movie with um Oh, I married an axe murderer with, um, yeah. what's the other yeah. Canadian? Mike Myers. Myers. Yeah. Where like the dad's like his head, his head is huge. It's like Sputnik. <laughs> Get out of my swamp. 
That's all I go to with yeah. Mike Myers. That or so, Gold Member. It's it's one of the two. I know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But so yeah. So Spudnik was um so on October fourth of nineteen fifty seven, back in the nineteen hundreds, the Soviet <laughs> Union launched the Earth's first artificial satellite, Sputnik One. The successful launch came as a shock to experts and citizens in the United States who had hoped that the United States would accomplish, accomplish this scientific advancement first. Like this, If you want to talk about a rabbit hole, this is one of them. Yeah, I don't want to go to Russian space, Google, and fall down that. I, I, I didn't. I almost did, but I didn't. You still got the weekend. I know. This one actually, it, this um, article came off of history.state.gov. Mm. Um, the fact that the Soviets were successful fed ears that the U.S. military had generally fallen behind in developing new technology. As a result, the launch of Sputnik uh, served to intensify the arms race and ra- uh, rise of the Cold War tensions. During the 1950s, both the United States and the Soviet Union were working to develop new technology. Nazi Germany had been close to developing the world's first intercontinental ballistic missile near the end of the second world war and german scientists aided research in both countries in the wake of that conflict both countries were also engaged in developing satellites as a part of a goal set by the international council of scientific unions which had called for the launch of satellite technology during late 1957 or late 19- 58. Wow. Over the course of the decade, the United States tested several varieties of rockets and missiles, but all of these tests ended in failure. And then it goes on to how um, the Soviets, since they launched the first one, they went on to having a bunch of successful technologies. And then, um, you know, the United States essentially was lacking. (laughs) Scrambling. Yeah. And then, of course... We put the first man on the moon. So then there was that. There's that. Take it. Well, this like this starts to lead into that space age, atomic age, or more the space age. Yeah, I mean, this like this walked right into it because everybody that was the new thing. I mean, you just finished the war. You know, Germany's been split up, and now it's like, now what? Let's get obsessed with space. Let's go to the aliens. Yeah. And the Sputnik design is so iconic when you see it. I mean, you've seen it in hundreds of different design shops, websites. Let's pull it up. Yeah. I remember growing up, like that was always a big topic in like my science classes. And oh my God, I'm dating myself now. It's okay. okay. But yeah, no, we, I mean, that was always one of the things we talked about. And um, no, I always thought it was fascinating too. Yeah, because Sputnik chandeliers are, I mean, they come in hundreds of different shapes and sizes and places, and they're all modeled after this initial space exploration. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now we're like shooting things off left and right into space. I know. Do you think there'll be like drone lights? There probably already is drone lights. There probably already is. Um, Speaking of things probably shot off into space. We talked about somebody kind of briefly that was just comical to me. And we talk about Lawrence Welk in this episode and her watching Lawrence Welk. And it just, I worked in a retirement home while I was going to beauty school and I just worked at the front desk and I love 
the elderly. Like I absolutely, if you think the story thing just started for me, that's it, it did not. It started <laughs> way back when. And um, <laughs> Lawrence Welk comes on on Saturday nights. And that entire place, it was like dinner was done and everybody was hustling as fast as they could. Those with power chairs were taking advantage of the max speed, <laughs> getting back to their rooms. And I am not shitting you. You could walk down any hall and have an uninterrupted Lawrence Welk experience because I don't know if you've met old people, but their TVs are loud and their rooms are hot. Yes. And it was like you didn't fuck around. On Saturday night, it was Lawrence Welk and that was it. And then they would like somebody would be at the desk and be like, oh, do you have the time? And I'd be like, oh, it's like 630 or six o'clock. And they're like, oh, I'm missing the Lawrence Welk. <laughs> and I was like, the reruns? You're okay. But you know what? I bet they didn't make it through the catalog, right? So Lawrence Welk, this is from Wikipedia. And I laughed as I was reading this because the word they use for him is perfect. So he was born March 11th, 1903, and he died May 17th, 1992. Whoa. Right? And his show ran until 1982. So he was retired for a decade. So he was an American music accordionist, band leader, and television impresario. (laughs) And I was like, wow, you have to meet your um, word count. He hosted a television program, The Lawrence Welk Show, from 1951 until 1982 what motherfucker entertained three generations of people that's why everybody always knows about him right and he was born in north dakota and he died in santa monica california he is buried at the holy cross cemetery in culver city and the lawrence welk show was on ktla in los angeles where it was broadcast from the Aragon Ballroom in Venice Beach. And the show became a local hit and then was picked up by ABC in June of 1955. But during its first year on air, the Welk Hour instituted several regular feature to make Welk's champagne music tagline visual. Their production crew engineered a bubble machine that spouted streams of large bubbles across the bandstand, While the bubble machine was originally engineered to produce soap bubbles, complaints from the band members about soapy buildup on their instruments led to the machines being reworked to produce glycerin bubbles instead. And whenever the orchestra played a polka or a waltz, Welk would dance with the band's female vocalist, the Champagne Lady. (laughs) Which is just like, this is so wild. She didn't even have a name. She was the Champagne Lady. Her real name was Jane Walton Rosen. 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 But she left the show after she was married, probably because her husband was like, get out of there. That guy's a weirdo. Sorry, <laughs> Lawrence Welk. I don't mean anything against you or your estate. As Welk show targeted mainly older viewers, it seldom played recent music with which the audience might not be familiar. On December 8th, 1956, two examples of the same broadcast were Nothing for Christmas which became a vehicle for Rocky Rockwell dressed in a child's outfit, and Elvis Presley's Don't Be Cruel, which was sung by violinist Bob Lido, wearing fake Presley-style sideburns, as you do. So it just was like the most quintessential old person show of live music, bad comedy, some dancing, some singing. And then my memory of the Lawrence Welk show is not the Lawrence Welk show at all, it's the Saturday Night Live skits that they did. Yes, that's that's what I was going to say. Like, I when she was talking about it, I'm like, oh, the Saturday Night Live guy. Yeah, all I kept thinking was, and I'm Judy, and seeing the tiny hands dance. 
That's it. That's all I could see. I'm Rebecca. I'm Judy. And then tired. Then they're like, "Oh my god!" So that is that is uh, Lawrence Welk was an icon of apparently somebody's entire life for thirty years. I mean, God bless him for doing for being able to do that for so long. Because I mean, look at sh- okay. Well, you got the Bachelor. That's never going to end. But no. Um, but, I mean, most of those shows. Okay, never mind. I guess most of those shows do last for some. But time. I don't know for thirty years. Like that's that's. Let's well, see. with the same person, yeah. Which which decade would you like to go to, Jill? I don't know. Oh, I want to watch the that. Saturday Night Live one. <laughs> oh, the Maharel sisters. That's what it is. Okay, let's uh, let's do the beer beer yeah. barrel polka. So we're back from a Lawrence Welk experience that Jill and I just had. Yeah, we had to take a little. Uh, we had to take a deep dive. Yeah, we watched a little bit of accordion playing, and then we watched the SNL skit, one of them. So, There's a lot. Yeah. So to our younger audience, you should totally uh, Google that. Yeah, just go to YouTube. Because and- you, you, need, you need to experience, I think everybody needs to experience that once in their lives. Yeah. Then you can pay your taxes. You have to watch Lawrence Welk and then pay your taxes. I think that's how it works. Yeah, you know, you have to. That's, that's the rules. Um. <laughs> But so one of the interesting things that she did tell us about was the 1960s Ludwig kit that she acquired because her family doesn't throw anything away. Right. This is why I get nervous about like old barns being knocked down or like just people going in and cleaning out buildings. It's because of this. Yeah. When you hear like, oh, yeah, we threw like five dumpsters full of stuff away and you're just like, oh, Jesus, what mm-hmm. did you throw away? Mm-mm. What what valuables and treasures did you just mm-hmm. get rid of? The treasures. What have you done? <laughs> but yeah, so her like she needed a drum set for her band and her dad literally was like, I think I got one and he went and got it. And it turned out to be a Ludwig um, drum set. So back in the 1960s, the Ludwig invention exists as uh, forerunners to modern drum manufacturing. Driven by passion for the drum industry, brothers William F. and Theobald Ludwig. You would think those pe- those names don't like scream drum people to me. No, Ludwig is just, I think, of Beethoven. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, so Theobald Ludwig would bring to life concepts and ideas of snares, drums, hardware, and accessories. It leads to an extraordinary impact reaching the pinnacle in the 1960s. The success of it all was very simple. Just drummers making products for drummers. It can easily be argued that Ludwig um, either directly or indirectly helped shape both music and modern drum manufacturing for decades to come. It starts um, in, so it all started really in Chicago, Illinois in 1909. Wow. The idea for the first American made floor foot pedal came to production through the brothers, um, William and Theobald. This uh, new product was well received by the industry, resulting in high regard for the newly established brand. Ludwig and Ludwig soon thereafter would design, distribute, and manufacture all things drums and percussion, snares, bass drums, drum heads, hardware, and into the evolved trap kit. Wow. Yeah. 
after the death of Theobald in 1918, William uh, was determined to carry on the business that was established. And he would do everything possible to remain a prominent figure in the drum and percussion industry. Ludwig and Ludwig, Ludwig and Ludwig would thrive throughout the 1920s, offering fresh, innovative, innovative drum products that would later become the foundation of the legacy established today. And, and I mean, this article just keeps going on and on. And this came from like the website is legit called vintageludwigdrums.com. Oh. Well, I'm glad they went straight to the point. Like, yes, I appreciate that. Yeah, that was nice of them because how else are you going to find a vintage Ludwig drum? That's so cool. What a like awesome piece of yeah. history to have for your family. And I wanted to play the song that um, I had heard from them. You can see it has 4.8 million views on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And it is um, Britney Spears' Toxic Surf cover. And this is by the Surfer Jets. And you can find them anywhere. You can find them on Spotify, Apple, um, YouTube. Gray, I'm going to let this play, but we can only play 15 seconds of it. So I'm going to drop it in closer to the chorus. Isn't that isn't that so cool? And you can see the drum it's set so here. Good. And it's in amazing condition. Oh, it's beautiful. Look at this. Peep this uh, footstool, this Lucite rose. I know. That's incredible. And that bookcase in the back with all her records. Mm-hmm. It's too pretty. Oh, it's so adorable. That is all we had for Shermie's Curio Corner today. She did a really great job at describing a lot of her items that she collects, which I always love when people know about their stuff, but it's never a requirement. And to see everything that we talked about today on Shermie's episode, be sure to check out our website, themothballprophecies.com. And we always post the pictures from the episode on our Instagram, the Mothball Prophecies original. You could also come and watch us make a fool of ourselves on TikTok. I think we've given up on Twitter at this point. So just abandon ship. Get out of there. (laughs) I don't have time for another platform. I'm not... I know. I think I'm too snarky and just come across as a bitch. (laughs) She's too bitchy for Twitters. Yeah. So we want to take this part of the show to thank our Patreon subscribers. Mm -hmm. Um, Without you guys, we couldn't really continue what we love doing. Um, So we have got, we've got some great stuff coming up. We've got us. A super fantastic guest coming on. Like mm-hmm. we said, Hayden's going to be for February. We've got some fun things for March. Yes, we shared my grandmother's episode on the Patreon. That will stay up. Yes. Um, and it was really, it was a really special episode. It's different than the episodes we do. The Patreon episodes will be different than what you hear on the regular feed. Yeah, they're more like a little more intimate mm-hmm. than our normal interviews. Um, and we've got some fun goodies coming up for you guys too. And we always, uh, let our Patreons have a little, little sneaky peeky. I do want to say if you've made it to this part of the episode, you can, you can be in on this little insider secret. We've had a couple of things come up that forced us into a direction we didn't know was going to happen. Um, we'll be revealing a little bit more of that soon, but I will say if you want 
original mothball merch now is the time to get it and the show will still be the same the content will all still be the same she just may have a pretty new face yeah she's just getting a lift a little lift but it's so great we are working with somebody that is absolutely incredible she is creating something so wonderful for us and she created the merch that is coming out today you guys can go to our tea public and see the brand new pyrex inspired mothball designs it's amazing it's so good it's so cute i love it so much they're incredible but back to the patrons they were the ones they got to see this merch uh way before it was ever released publicly so if you want to get in on the scenes be sure to check out the patreon link in our link tree bio and we've got tears for everyone yes we don't we try to make it fair and we want everybody to join no matter what you decide to give and like i said everybody is supporting this show Mm -hmm. so we appreciate every single one of you yes we especially want to thank julia in sweden and jasmine in kentucky kyla in indiana and mandy and riley in california tc liono melissa christina erica becky and ashley in the great state of idaho yes we got two new patrons this week we are so 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 thankful for you guys also a big gigantic thank you to our support team gray for making us sound good and concise and that we make sense week after week after week and spell check for making sure that everything makes sense on paper because lord knows we need it yes and as always we hope you find some good shit And we hope you remember to look under the tables. Oh, and happy belated Valentine's Day. Oh, yes. I hope you've either treated yourself or somebody treated you good. That's right. Bye. See ya.